The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, joined once again by my esteemed executive editor, John Dixon. John, for the sixth year in a row, we have reached week 21. How are we feeling? Um, unexpectedly good. Let me put it that way. I feel pretty yeah. good, but I didn't really expect to feel that good. Um, I actually gave some thought to picking... Uh, the Bills in this game, but decided yep. I could go with the Chiefs safely. Turned out well, to be yeah. the right choice, but you know, yeah. If you go to the predictions, I I did go and pick the Bills. I just thought the game was so evenly matched. I I really thought it, it could go either way. It had the feel certainly of a game at the end. If uh, Buffalo does manage to make that that field goal at the end, it it might have gone into overtime. If the Chiefs weren't able to drive down the field. They they were moving the ball pretty well. So right, there is a theory yeah. that Butker would have got a shot there, and maybe it's just thirty to twenty seven anyway. But we'll never know because uh, right a new iteration of wide right has entered <laughs> NFL folklore. Uh, unbelievable game uh, for for fans watching this one. It was very nerve wracking. If you're a a Kansas City Chiefs fan, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, I gotta imagine you're just physically ill today after this game yeah. and five or six lead changes really a, a lot of the time the instant classic gets thrown out a lot i really think that this game fit that bill but ultimately it is the chiefs winning 27 to 24 and it's a uh, a little bit hard to fathom some of the things that you have seen i think john uh just initially here with patrick mahomes and since this quarterback has become a starter. He has never not played in the conference title game. That's just like very, very hard to wrap your head around, especially now that we're pro we're more than half a decade into his career. It's not like it's been three years. Right. Oh, you know, the first three years of his career, I started, this is six right. seasons. And for just on a year to year basis, how different teams look, the one consistent part has been Patrick Mahomes. I guess you could make a case, Travis Kelsey, because he's been here the whole way, but uh, incredible feats that it it's really hard to even I think click in your brain and, and make sense of in a way. We're certainly uh, well past the Kurt Warner territory, aren't we? Yeah. Where it was just a couple of seasons where he was really fantastic and in the right situation at the Rams and you know so on and so forth. And 
um, yes, it's it's an astonishing set of circumstances that I, I can't say that I saw coming. I, I, I really couldn't get around the idea of going around saying the Chiefs are going to be one and done in the playoffs. I thought they might win a game. Uh, but I, I just didn't really see them getting to this point past, especially without the schedule falling in a in a favorable way. Um, you know, I wouldn't have expected them to go to Buffalo and beat the Bills. If he'd asked me a month ago, I wouldn't mm-hmm. have said that, you know. Um, but, you know, in the last few weeks, they've shown that they're uh, that they're figuring out how to solve their problems. And that's what really good teams do is they figure out how to solve their problems. And the Chiefs have certainly shown us that. So this, of course, is the editor show on the Arrowhead Pride podcast network on today's show. We'll go through some of the main quotes from Andy Reid's press conference. We will have our world famous marinated takeaway. Steve's actually going to join us for that segment. So that is always a treat. Love, love when Steve. Uh, enters the program and then we'll wrap up with some snap, snap count takeaways a little a little political news in terms of the stadium we'll, oh we'll chat about that and then we'll discuss the opening odds for the afc title game as the chiefs travel to baltimore to take on the ravens if you like the arrowhead pride editor show or anything we do here on the arrowhead pride podcast network you can leave us a rating and a review no ratings today in the playoffs here so challenge you sometimes i'll throw out a challenge let's get a couple reviews for the AFC title reaction show when we pick this up next week. All right, let's get into the Zandy Reed sound. As usual, he spoke to media members via Zoom. Uh, this is the week, John, that media moves to the stadium, and we get a lot of visitors to Kansas City uh, to talk about this game. So plenty of sound coming your way. I, I know we're going to play the highlights here, but you can, of course, get the full press conference on from the podium, and that's going to be a useful tool this week because – the Chiefs run out some of their most important players Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and it's a lot of interviews. You know, they they uh, do a really nice job when it's AFC title week of putting like five or six of these guys uh, at the podium. So be sure to be locked into the Airhead Pride podcast network this week as we load it up, getting ready for this Chiefs and Ravens matchup. Let's start here. Uh, Travis Kelsey uh, was able to get two touchdowns in this game. He actually started the scoring for the Chiefs in terms of touchdowns. Took until the second quarter, but it was a wide-open pass to Kelsey. Here's what Andy Reid saw. So he's got three options on that <clears throat> on that side, and he, um, he's he got to let it sort out just a tick. And uh, and he did that. He was very patient with it and then obviously very accurate with the throw. And it was a throw that he kind of – not the same play, Sam, but it was, it was a throw that he missed Trav on a little bit earlier, yeah. a corner route like that. And – he, uh, you know, he just fixed the problem and was spot on. Yeah, as Reed mentions, there were three options on the left side, and he does this a lot. When you do that and you, you kind of load up the one side, uh, you can confuse defenders because you have a assignment that get lost, and sometimes the players will go to uh, the you know the player that they think they should be guarding, and then it leaves one guy free, and that one guy was the one player that the Bills should have been watching and Travis Kelsey is able to get that touchdown. And I, I think it kind of opened the floodgates in a sense for the chiefs offense. And I think it gained them confidence to, to sh- you know, show themselves after last week, especially we can score touchdowns against this bill's defense. And it was a huge part of the game. Kelsey would add another touchdown later, but a, a really nice start uh, for, for Kansas city putting points up on the board, but you needed that touchdown before the end of the half and they got it. 
Yeah, that was uh, something that we hadn't really been seeing a lot of uh, as the Chiefs solved their problems. One of them was in the red zone, and I think they were 50% in the red zone um, yeah. yesterday, which is not perfect, but much better than they'd been Two in many four. of their other right. games yep. Yeah, uh, this season. So uh, that, was an, uh, that was a moment seeing Kelsey wide open for that throw that I thought, hmm, maybe, the, maybe we're going to see something today. Because <laughs> up to that point, I wasn't sure. With, I think by that, uh, which that was yeah. coming out of two field goals, right? So yeah, yeah, uh, good moment for the Chiefs, and I think in that type of game, you got to prove that you can score touchdowns, especially when the Bills were really mm-hmm. doing a nice job uh, attacking the Chiefs' defense, and so that established that. And uh, on social media, maybe more important than the touchdown was the reaction to the touchdown in the Kelsey Mahomes uh, Swift. Donna Kelsey suite where you had Jason Kelsey really interacting with the crowd, taking his shirt off and screaming. It, it, it's great to see sometimes a guy that, you know, is on vacation. The Eagles lost. Uh, he <laughs> seems to have uh, had that, uh, you know, a few days to get over that. And now he's just uh, Travis's biggest fan. Here was Andy Reed on Jason's antics in Buffalo. Yeah. My, my wife uh, saw him, Todd. So um, she took pictures with him. I, I saw, I saw the pictures. So, Did he have his shirt on when he, when she saw him? No shirt on. No. <laughs> yeah, no. Listen, he, he's the best. He's a great kid. Great father. That's probably the thing I'm most proud of him for because he's got a great wife and, and kids and everything. So he's done a nice job with that. I think Andy Reid's the only person that could transition really smoothly from no shirt on to great father. Um, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I expect you're right about that. <laughs> cool to, John, cool to see uh, Jason in attendance, and and it seemed to actually give Travis a little bit of energy. I think. Uh, yeah. Well, why not? I mean, if I were if I were in that situation, I'd be wanting to go to can I'd be wanting to go to Baltimore and see my brother play football. Why not? Um, and you know, getting to hang out with the brother's girlfriend and mom, and and all, you know, it's it's what's not to like about that situation? I'd do it. Yeah, it was a, a great environment. It, if he was taking his shirt off, that means the temperature, although cold, was a little bit more manageable in Buffalo than it was Kansas City. Never thought we'd say that, but uh, last weekend, we know that 15 people got frostbite at this game, so <laughs> conditions were fine. Uh, and and as annoying and, and as, as bitter cold as that game was, now you travel to, to Buffalo and Baltimore, and you're kind of saying well we handle that we can handle any kind of weather the weather's not right. going to be an issue yeah. there so the chiefs uh, were able to have some success on both sides of the ball in this game took the defense a little bit of while, uh, a little while but definitely uh, a complete game i thought for the offense as complete as we've seen in a while want to switch gears here to andy reed's comments on shamari connor uh, i'll tell steve this later but i i saw steve said had this tweet where the Chiefs are in the AFC title, and all he can think about is that, uh, them hitting on another day three corner cornerback slash safety defensive back. And Shamari Connor was excellent. I, John, I know you you did the snap counts, but when Mike Edwards had to go down well, with concussion protocol, Connor has played here and there and in certain packages, but this was a a big spot where he was going to have to play a lot of snaps. I think he ended up with with ninety nine percent. He did an outstanding job, right. aside from one part, uh, which Andy Reid was not shy to mention. No, that's a good, uh, great question there, Pete. Um, oh, thank Shinari you. did a did a heck of a job. I mean, he's uh, he's been working in in nickel and dime situations, but to come in and have those extended that extended time in there, 
and make the plays he did, with the exception of just trying to pick the ball up, uh, scoop and score thing. Probably should have just fallen on it when it's all said and done. But he uh, he sure did a nice job in there. Yeah, the Chiefs having this many solid starters coming out of day three is maybe not talked about enough. I mean, aside from just Connor, you have Legarius Need, of course, and Joshua Williams in the fourth round. Mike Dana was in the fifth round. And Jalen Watson was in the seventh round. All these players had key snaps for Kansas City in this game. Here was Reed's reaction to that. Yeah, listen, I'm a big Brett Beach fan, so um, he he's done a, done a great job. I told him after the game, that's him. This game is him. This is a reflection of, of – uh, all the time and effort he and his guys have put in. Um, it's just uh, that that's what it comes down to. They've given us good, good football players to coach. I see these other teams, John, uh, on social media in the NFL, they, they give out all these game balls, but it doesn't look like the chiefs do that. It just seems like they get in the locker room, cheer a little bit. You get a, how about them chiefs? But if, if they were to give a game ball, it sounds like Reed would have given one to beach because of these guys stepping up in depth positions. Well, if not Connor, because I was yeah. really impressed with his effort yesterday. I mean, sure, he's a rookie. He's going to make a mistake from time to time. But uh, to put him into a situation where he's got to step in and and be a 100% snap guy, because that's the role of the two safeties in Steve Spagnuolo's offense, excuse me, in, in his defense, yeah. um, is to have two cornerbacks and two safeties who are on the field for every play. And he went in there and did that. Um, you know, that's not a, that's a hard thing to do when you come into the, an NFL team the way he did. So hats off to him. Yeah. I caught my attention uh, a, a month ago and I wrote about this in the newsletter. I brought up the quote from Dave Merritt and just how much he was fond of Connor and, and what he can do. And, you know, we talked about the fab five of last year, you know, you add in Connor now to that mix. I mean, it's just what a crop of young talent to have. And it really, I think, you're able to hit on these players that are still going to be on their rookie deals, and they could give you legitimate, solid snaps defensively, even offensively, like like with the Rice. That allows you to spend a little bit in free agency for certain needs, right? And so uh, that's a huge part of the sustained success right now that we're seeing from the Chiefs is them being able to hit on these day one contributors. I want to get into a little bit of an injury roundup here because the Chiefs are one of four teams still – Practicing this week, it's the Chiefs and the Ravens on the AFC side. It'll be the 49ers and the Detroit Lions uh, on the NFC side. And so Kansas City continues to work. The players that were out ahead of this game were Wanya Morris in the concussion protocol and Derek Nadi. They He had a, a tricep issue. It looked like on social media he had some type of surgery. So I'm not not sure if we're going to see Nadi uh, in the near future. Kadarius Tony and Justin Ross. Uh, were questionable, but ultimately weren't involved in this game. Sky Moore remains on IR, so we'll monitor those injuries. Chiefs are are definitely dealing with a few more injuries than they were in recent memory. And then out of this game, you saw Mike Edwards, uh, the concussion uh, concussion protocol. We'll see how long it takes him to get out. Um, as we've seen this year, it takes players different amount of times to get out of the concussion protocol. Isaiah Pacheco, for example. He was quick, took him four or five days. Wanya Morris seemed to have suffered a setback this week. He's still going to be in it. We'll see the severity for Mike Edwards, but you'd, you'd want to have him available in this type of game, even as good as Connor is playing. The other injury was to Joe Tooney. A little bit worried about this one, John. Peck yeah. issue. 
mm-hmm. uh, whenever they use uh, peck as opposed to chest, right? Like it, you're starting to think, oh, do they think it's torn? Something like that. Like <laughs> it's not funny, but it, you know, it's just how I my brain operates doing this job. Like when they say knee, I'm like, okay. But when they say, oh, ACL, I'm like, all right. Uh, that's what peck kind of is to me. So we'll see. Uh, Adam Schefter reported that uh, that he would be having an MRI today. So there'll be some more clarity. Fortunately for the Chiefs, they have a, a solid backup. Obviously not as good as Joe Tooney, but Nick Allegretti has been there, done that, been a starter for the team in the past, played in playoff games in the past. So we'll see how that shakes out. And then a key injury, maybe the, the biggest uh, key for me right now is, is Willie Gay Jr. Popped up with a neck issue was suddenly questionable on Saturday, still played in the game, but had to be ruled out fast here. And gay is important, John, because you're facing what I would argue, and I don't think there's a lot of uh, argument against the uh, most, uh, or I should say maybe the the best quarterback as a runner in the NFL. And they've been liking to use gay in these spy looks. And so you're really going to want to have gay against Lamar Jackson. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think they were kind of looking at this as, uh, this game being kind of a tune-up for the Ravens yeah. game, have an opportunity to get re- uh, Gay out there and uh, adjust the approach a little bit after they'd worked against Allen for a game. So, yeah, this could be an issue uh, going up against Jackson. But, um, you know, I they keep talking about how Tranquil will take any kind of role they hand him and hit it out of the park. And I have to wonder if going into this game – uh, they say they take him aside and say, "This is what we need for you to do," and he says, "Yes, boss." And and there we go. Yeah. So, yeah, I I I think we'll see who is able to play here. I, I don't know what's going on with Gay's neck. You would think that if they were to shut him down for a few days, maybe he'd be okay. I, I'm I'm not exactly yeah. sure what's going on there, but as usual, the first injury report will come out on Wednesday, and all eyes will be on it. I mean they. When you get to the AFC title game, everyone's watching at this point. So this will be a, a national conversation piece, I think, as we go is the status of some of these key players for Kansas City. All right. So we did Andy Reid. Again, if you want to listen to that full press conference, you can on From the Podium. Talked about some injuries. When we come back, we will get into our world-famous marinade takeaways. Stay with us right here on the Airhead Pride Editor Show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney hanging out with the executive editor, John Dixon. We now welcome in one of our favorites, the guy that produces all this on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, our podcast producer, Steve Serta. A fresh Steve off a, a great interview with Kevin Harlan. How did it feel to to interview the great one there? It was very cool. Um, I think I kept my composure pretty well, and I've interviewed a lot of people uh, just over my career. And 
I think that was the one that just as somebody who's worked in radio, done a lot of broadcasts and things like that. That was one of the geekiest, uh, just from my personal experience, <laughs> interviews I've ever done. I, I was really, really struggling to contain my excitement while I was talking to him. The only thing that could probably be better is like a Robert Downey Jr. from Marvel, right? Just to talk a little bit about uh, what, what did he do? What, what was he? Iron Man? He's Iron Man. Tony Iron Man. I, I'm nailing it right now. I, I That was a dart. <laughs> And so that that's a bullseye for him. Yeah, for see, right I there. even I would have known that. So yeah, good for you, John. That, that's great. I did see a little bit of social buzz, uh, just considering that Tony Romo has lost his damn mind. Now people want Kevin Harlan instead of Romo uh, on the call. But what you have right now, the game is on CBS, KCTV five locally, and Romo is calling the Super Bowl. So you're stuck with them. If the Chiefs win, you're getting him again uh, for the the big game but that is not what we're here to talk about we're here to talk about some marinated takeaways from this big divisional round win chiefs advanced their sixth straight afc title so we'll start as we do always with john john what uh would your main takeaway from this game well um i'm always surprised by this i think i've addressed this in some form or another uh on the show before but i'm always surprised when teams uh take the advice of television commentators who are every sunday saying well what the what the opposing team needs to do here is is run the ball down the Chiefs' throat so they can keep Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines. And that's kind of what the Bills did um, on Sunday, and it, it didn't really work out all that well. Yeah. They did get 182 yards on the ground, which a lot of people are, are losing their minds over. But when this happens, this doesn't necessarily translate into a Chiefs' loss. In fact... Uh, since Patrick Mahomes has been the starting quarterback of the Chiefs, this is 2018 through this year, the Chiefs have played 14 games where uh, the opposing offense has put up 180 or more rushing yards. Mm. And the Chiefs have won um, nine of those games. Wow. They are the only team in the NFL who has a winning record against more than 180 yards rushing. I don't know why teams think that this is something that will work because it doesn't seem to work. And I'm always surprised by it. Yeah. I think the problem going into this next game is, is less about Gus, the bus Edwards. Like if he has a hundred yards and a touchdown, I don't think that's going to decide the game, (laughs) but when the quarterback is a little bit better at running the ball, than he is throwing. I think it might be a little bit of a different animal when it comes to Lamar Jackson. I think the Chiefs got to make Lamar throw. I mean, I know this is a review podcast more than a preview podcast, but I, I think you got to make sure that you have some contain on him, and that's why I'm really looking at that gate injury as we go. But it's a great point. Just because you're giving up these rushing yards doesn't always necessarily mean it translates to you losing football games. Right. And so let's continue on uh, with Steve. Steve, what, what did you see in this game uh, as the Chiefs uh, go to the AFC title game once again? I think one of the biggest differences in this game for the Kansas City Chiefs and, and a really tough matchup against the Buffalo Bills was the play of the offensive line. Like it so much has been made about the pass catchers and the offense as a whole and yeah. Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor and these tackles and like, oh, my gosh, Jawan Taylor's the worst free agent signing in the history of the Kansas City Chiefs because <laughs> he gets a lot of penalties like. They were fantastic. First of all, let me tell you that the worst free agent signing is Kelvin Benjamin. So no one will ever be worse than that. Big heavy. uh, Couldn't move anymore. He didn't cost uh, anything. Juwan Juwan cost quite a bit. Anyway, go ahead. 
Sorry. Now, the, the offensive line was spectacular on Sunday. And I, and I think that's like when we talk about offensive success, so much of it over the course of the season, I think was like, yeah, those tackles were struggling, but also we've seen Joe Tooney struggle at moments this year. We've seen Creed Humphrey struggle at moments this year. We've seen Trey Smith struggle. Um, like we've seen the offensive line as a whole unit struggle at times this year. And it, it is true. Like this team, man, they flip something in the playoffs and it elevates everybody's game because they were special on Sunday against a very talented Bills defensive line that has been great all year and has been a big reason that they won so many games in a row to find themselves in that situation. Like the, the Tooney injury is worrisome. Allegretti's a, a nice backup to have who, who can come in and give you a spot start and, and hopefully play good football. But it, it really sucks for the Chiefs offensive line as a whole because that was the best performance that they put on paper all season, I think. And I, I want to say, like, didn't Donovan Smith get called for one penalty? But other than that, was that the Chiefs' only offensive line penalty, which has been a huge issue all year? Yeah. Like, those guys have elevated their play in the postseason, and they're playing like we thought they were going to play all season long. And it's huge. And it's going to be a huge difference if they can play like that against Baltimore because that Baltimore defensive line is even better than the Bills' defensive line. Yeah, and going back to when we played the Andy sound of the Kelsey touchdown, he was alluding to the fact that that's a delayed play where Mahomes has to give it time for one of these guys to come open and ended up being Kelsey. And you wouldn't call that play or you wouldn't say, let's try that if you, the line wasn't having a good game. And so um, Andy agreed with you because uh, I don't know if they're calling it. Like I always think of, do we have time to run wasp? But you know, when you have these slower <laughs> yeah. development plays, you have to have the time and they were able to, um, they were able to do it. I, I think my main takeaway from, from this game, and I, I've kind of been saying this as we we've gone in these playoffs is it's really sticking out to me that since 18, this is probably Mahomes's most difficult road that he's had to travel to win a title. And it's probably, and this could be argued. So I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of throwing it out there. It's probably with his worst team that he's had in, in a sense of offense um, identity, figuring it out. Uh, you know, you, you really, I know MBS had a good game, but you really find it hard to trust anyone beyond Pacheco rice or Kelsey, but the chiefs are finding a way. And that's what helps build the dynasty. Like if you could, and I talked about how, well, the weather in Buffalo and Baltimore will never play a, a role in, in messing this team up because they just experienced freezing cold in Kansas City and managed to get out of that game. I think if they're able to win a championship with this year's team, man, this is for a long time because I think the Chiefs are really going to have an improved offense weapon-wise next year. And now you're just two wins away. I mean, how many times have we seen the Chiefs win two games in a row and even sometimes against teams that you know you wouldn't think that they could beat. Like if we assume it's going to be the Ravens and the 49ers, Chiefs are probably going to be three point underdogs in both of those games. I know we're going to get into the odds after, but what I'm saying is like if they pull this one off, man, uh, this is going to be uh, if it's not already one of those Patriots caliber anybody but the Chiefs situations going into next <laughs> year. And and again, I just. The crazy thing is, is Mahomes is doing it. He's halfway there on his most, most difficult road with what I would consider maybe the worst team he's had since he started. That can be argued, of course, but at least offensively, you know, one that has had to uh, really turn it on at the end and faced a lot of these growing pains. So 
it's been fun to watch and i'm eager to see how how far he can take this this ship uh with that john we'll go back to you for your second marinated takeaway yeah um i just like to get control of a narrative right here um uh, i'm afraid to yeah no 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 okay uh, special teams but not for the chiefs um i think that over the over the years we're going to be hearing about how Tyler Bass's field goal lost the game for the Bills. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's right. I mean, mm. yes, if he'd made the kick, they could have tied the game, uh, might have forced overtime, or the Chiefs might have scored a field goal. They were going to have a minute 53, I think it was, after that that kick was made or not made. But plenty of time for the Chiefs to get in position to kick another field goal to win the game. And if they kick one and miss, well, then you're in overtime. And, you know, at that point, the Chiefs were, I think, playing better than the Bills uh, in terms of, you know, getting downfield and making things happen. So I would have uh, thought the Chiefs would have been in a good position to win in overtime if it had gone that far. So I'm just, you know, I'm just not convinced that missing that kick is the reason the Bills lost this game. I'm sure that as years go on, that that's going to be the narrative uh, in Buffalo, at least, because it's always easier to blame it on some guy, especially the field goal kicker. But yeah. um, um, I really think the Bills put themselves in a position to lose long before that. Um, there there were know, a couple occasions in this game where Allen needed like eight, eight to 10 yards and he was throwing 60 yards down the field. Yeah. Um, and even in that last sequence where, you need the field goal, the tide or a, a touchdown would have put them ahead rather than taking digs on the crosser underneath. He's throwing it into the end zone. And I don't know. I, I think down and distance, it becomes more important there. And, it, and it's almost like sometimes I think Allen loses a sense of that. I, it's something that sticks out with Pat because Pat mentions that stuff in training camp, like Andy Reid will randomly stop and go, what's the down and distance. And I think it's something that he's always thinking about. I think he's probably gotten a lot better at it this year when, as I was mentioning, the offense hasn't been as good and you've really needed to say, well, what's the situation here? How much are we winning by? How much are we losing mm-hmm. by? Where yeah. are we? Cause you have a, you know, a strong defense and Allen blew that in my mind to an extent, uh, that deep pass that he did take and he hit Stefan Diggs right in the hands and Diggs, who has been, I wouldn't say always loud publicly, but there's been some, some, smoke about him being dissatisfied with Allen's play like man if you're going to be dis- dissatisfied with Allen's play and you're going to float out to your brother tweet this tweet that and you know um with the Cowboys and kind of say that that you know, Allen needs to be you need to make that catch I mean, for all the yeah. all the complaints that you've had uh that's a catch you have to make uh especially if you're going to be that vocal or use whatever channels to be vocal and so I'd agree with you I think you're right um this is a thing five to 10 to 20 years from now, especially if you're a Bills fan, you'll probably really just remember the kick because all these seasons eventually like blend together as you go on. But uh, the story is a little bit deeper than that for sure. Well, uh, and I mean, yeah. just to use an example from the Chiefs universe, you know, the kicker that shall not be named, Lynn Elliott, you know, yeah, he missed that field goal and the, they ended up losing the game. But it's Lake Dawson who dropped the touchdown pass right before that that put uh, Elliott in the situation he had to kick the field goal. And I, this wasn't as cut and dried as that. But the Bills had not scored on all their drives. The Chiefs had. 
uh, with, I think there was just one drive that the Chiefs didn't score on that was of any significance. Um, and I know, I guess it was two, they punted once and then there was the fumble, but, uh, you know, the bills had were, were uh, two punts and, and yeah. lost the ball on downs at one point. You can't do that in a playoff game. And that's why they lost. Not because he missed a field goal. All right, Steve, let's continue with your second takeaway. Um, this is actually kind of off of John's first marinated takeaway and, oh. and really has to do with um how, how the bills chose to attack the chiefs on offense which was on the ground and utilizing josh allen's athletic ability james cook had a nice night like we we've known all season long and, and it feels like maybe nationally people are just now realizing it, that the chiefs run defense could be had a little bit and it's been the one thing that you could point to like yeah they're excellent all over the place but this is maybe the one thing that they just aren't quite elite at and I'm not really worried about that at all. Cause like to John's point, Mahomes still tends to win those games. And really it's not even mm-hmm. about like being effective on the offensive side of the ball for these teams. It's about keeping Patrick Mahomes off the field. And, and, and as we see, have seen multiple times now in the playoffs, Mahomes, if you do that to him and you limit his opportunities, well, he's just going to go out there and maximize every opportunity that he gets, when he goes <laughs> the field, which is even more frustrating for the opposing teams. I would think, but yeah, at, like as we move forward this week ahead of the AFC championship game, and you're talking about uh Ravens offense, that was great this season. Uh Todd Monken's a really good offensive play caller for the Ravens. And they were absolutely fantastic in the second half against the Houston Texans. Like, a lot's going to be made uh, about what the Bills just did to the Chiefs defense ahead of this game against the Ravens. And I don't think there's really any reason to worry about this Chiefs defense. They've given up seven points uh, so far in the second half in, in two postseason games, which is absolutely insane. And yeah, they, they gave up a lot of rushing yards on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills. But this defense is still special. I think this defense can still get them where they want to go. And, it, and, and I think that they are still truly like an elite unit. But I think that Baltimore is the worst possible matchup for them just because both of these teams are that good. So I think we're going to be in for another great game. And I'm, I'm really excited more so than any other opponent they could be facing in the AFC championship game because Lamar and Mahomes was supposed to be the rivalry and it just kind of got pushed to the side for Burrow and Allen. And now we're back here a few years later after we've gotten some really great games between Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. So I, I, that, that was a lot of rambling, but my overall marinated takeaway is that I'm not worried about the Chiefs defense at, at all ahead of the AFC championship game. Well, yeah, well I, think, I also think oh, Lamar hunts a lot. Uh, Lamar Jackson's a lot better quarterback than he was in those yeah. early matchups with the Chiefs. Uh, I think he's been really good this year. It's real easy to say, oh, yeah, well, he can run, but he can't pass the ball. But this year, he's actually been a great passer and he's yeah. got some great receivers out there, too. So he's this is he's better now than he used to be. And I think that's going to be a factor in this game. Just to put a bow on the rushing point, and and I you know I don't disagree with you guys. I I do think there's an angle to defeating the Chiefs if you're able to maintain what is a two score or close to a two score lead while rushing the ball. And we did see that this year when the Packers game came up, where mm-hmm. yeah the Packers managed to break out a fourteen to three lead, and then they used the clock to limit possess. Like it doesn't work in a neutral strip, which I think is what we saw last night. If the chiefs are bills are just going back and forth, you're running the ball, but you're also eliminating your own time in that fashion. So if you end up setting settling for a field goal, doesn't matter. The Packers, if you're able to get an early lead, which is a big asterisk and if then 
that's a way, you know, they ran the ball with AJ Dillon and just kept on limiting and limiting and limiting and limiting possessions. And because they're in a lead, they won. Um, but the Packers are out of it. So we don't have to worry about them until next year. Uh, they are not even in the playoffs anymore. They were almost, were still in it. Uh, gave the 49ers quite a scare, but not able to get it done. Final merit to take away here. I, I think the role reversal, the identity reversal was very good for the Chiefs as far as the path that they're taking here. And what I mean by that is the fact that the defense struggled, I think can be a humbling experience for those three quarters. It just, just in, in the sense of they were playing great football. Even last week, they played outstanding against one of the best offenses of the league in, in the Miami Dolphins. But here you had a Bills team that is going to give them some good tape of some struggles. And you know what? That'll refocus you. I, I think that's good for um, the defense as you go to, to face some adversity. And I think the offense needed the confidence that it might have gotten from doing what they did against a, a Buffalo defense who did have a lot of injuries, but still uh, was getting the job done against other teams. And I think just the fact that when uh, McCole Hardman isn't the one touching the ball, the offense is pretty dang good. And kudos to Marquez Valdez-Scanling, who has faced a lot of adversity this year. Uh, that was not good from a production standpoint. I think everyone kind of wrote him off. He was good last year's playoff, especially the AFC title game, um, and is finding, I think, a role. I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying he should be receiving the targets that uh, Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey are, are having, but once again, he proved to be uh, that complimentary piece that the Chiefs needed in the playoffs to get over the hump. And the Chiefs offense, which was great in the first three quarters, gains confidence, I think. And again, the defense need a little bit of a wake-up call. It sounded like Mahomes went up to them and said, finish the job here, and they did. Uh, but I think having a little bit of that um, humility, that humbling experience will refocus them for this week. And this is a, a really tall task against Lamar Jackson. And so you faced a similar type of guy, I think, in in Josh Allen. Allen likes to run, not as frequently as Lamar, but I think that, that'll that'll help uh, as well. So those are your merited takeaways here from the Chiefs' divisional round win over the Buffalo Bills. They'll now turn their attention to the Baltimore Ravens. When we come back, we'll finish up with some snap count takeaways, and we'll talk about the veto of the veto. What does that mean? Stay with us right here on the Airhead Pride Editor Show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. We are wrapping this thing up, John, with some snap count takeaways. You dove in this morning. What are some of your initial thoughts from this Chiefs-Bills uh, game uh, in the divisional round? Well, I, I didn't get all the way into it, but I did get some of the way into it, so I can tell you a few things. Uh, just the second time this season that uh, the team has had more rushing uh, plays than passing plays, 49% to 51%. Um, passing, rushing in this game. In week four against the Jets, it was 47-53. So uh, the Chiefs really committed to the run in this game. Uh, and so did, as a matter of fact, uh, the Bills. They uh, actually were also very close to 50%, just, just the other way. You know, it was like 51-49 the other way. Um, another thing that was interesting, I think, uh, from what I saw was uh, last week uh, – the Chiefs had the highest tight end use of the season at 1.61 tight ends per snap, and it was up to 1.81 the 
this mm. week. So, uh, and in practical matters, what that meant was that Kelsey was on the field about the same amount as normal, like 85%. But both uh, Noah Gray and Blake Bell were used more uh, than they usually are, above their normal ranges uh, for a game like this one. So this was a case where they decided that they would depend more on their tight ends, mm. perhaps to rush to uh, to support the rushing game. But, you know, the way it played out was that Noah Gray and Rasheed Rice both had 62% of the offensive snaps, um, which I thought was interesting that they thought, well, okay, let's have this guy come in and be uh, a, a primary receiver alongside Rice, but behind Kelsey. Then yeah. we had uh, all those scandals. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Brief, briefly on that point, I saw this from Next Gen Stats, and I think it's worth mentioning. The Chiefs used 13 personnel on 11 mm -hmm. plays in the divisional yep. round mm -hmm. uh, win. And, uh, of course, 13 is is one running back and three tight ends. They gained right. 95 yards uh, in those looks at a 63.6% success rate. Uh, that's nice. the highest 13 personnel rate for Kansas City since 2016. And so wow. yeah. they are really, as you were alluding to, John, leaning into those tight ends. And against the Buffalo Bills, it really worked. Yeah. Um, then we had uh, Valdez Scantling in there, 47% of the snaps up a little bit from the week before, but more or less in the range that we've seen him recently. Uh, Hardman and uh, Watson were at 40%, James at 32%. Uh, again, you know, about what we would expect the way things have been going lately. Um, I hadn't gotten too deeply into the defensive snaps, but I did notice that uh, Mike Pinnell uh, had a season high Yep, at 52% of the snaps. That's something for a practice squad player to be in there for more than half the snaps. And Dickerson also in from the practice squad had 21% of the snaps. So uh, they they really leaned into the defensive tackles in this game when they knew that the uh, the Bills were going to be running the ball quite a bit. Also Mike noticed Pinnell, that yeah, Mike Pinnell, ahead. just a quick point on Mike Pinnell. I mean, he was here in 1920, and he was a yeah. really important player. Mm -hmm. He had like this cup of coffee with the Bears and the Falcons and the Bears again. <laughs> like Mike Pinnell needs the Chiefs and the Chiefs need Mike Pinnell. This is a, this is the best uh, that he's going to be role wise and uh, and good for Kansas City to to find use for him. They needed him this week because Derek Nottie suddenly was unavailable. So uh, right good to hear that he was well in the mix. Yeah, it took two guys to take his place, which is always mm -hmm. a, a good sign if you're a player that if yeah. you go down, you have to have two guys come in to take your place. Right. Um, then the other thing that I noticed in my brief look this morning was that once again, Joshua Williams and uh, Jalen Watson swapped places. It was Jalen Watson that got most of the third cornerback snaps instead of Williams this time. Um, so, you know, again, they go back and forth on this. Most of the time this season, it's been Watson. But uh, in the last game, Williams got more snaps than than Watson did. Sometimes this is just about, you know, matchups and whether they're going to run more zone right. and man or that kind of thing. But uh, it's always interesting to watch to see how it plays out with these two guys. Interesting stuff from the snap counts. Uh, John will have more at arrowheadpride.com. And who knows? Maybe the next uh, couple hours could be tomorrow. Um, but let's... Uh, Let's get into this other uh, piece of news that we got <laughs> right before we came on. So here's what I know about the stadiums. There's a vote. We know about the three-eighth tax. The Chiefs and Royals were agreeing to stay in Jackson County so long as this passes and they're able to get uh, some public money uh, for their stadium plans. 
They wanted the vote to be on the April 2nd ballot. Uh, we had, uh, who, who was the rep? Um, Frank White. Frank mm -hmm. White said, hell no, uh, this is not going on the ballot. <laughs> and there are nine legislators. The, the Chiefs and Royals needed six to veto the veto. And it didn't seem like they were going to get it. Uh, I don't know what Kevin Spacey did in the meantime to get them to switch, but we woke up today uh, and House of Cards style, the legislators are not supporting White anymore. And it seems like this uh, potential tax uh, to keep the Royals and Chiefs in Jackson County, John, right, will be on this April 2nd ballot per some of the sourcing and the reports. Do I have all that right? Is there anything I'm missing there? Yeah, no, that's that's pretty much it. We did check all the subway platforms to make sure there were no bodies anywhere <laughs> that needed to be picked up. Speaking I of Kevin, the city has a streetcar and not a subway. Oh, yeah. right? Who knows <laughs> yeah. what would happen? Yeah. But yeah, there were there were four uh county legislators last week who said they were backing up Frank White's position on this. And and Frank Frank White, I we shouldn't try and paint him as a villain here. He said that what he wanted was a better deal from the teams. Now, you know, I don't I'm I'm not enough of an expert on exactly what he needed to have the teams give him, but in his mind it wasn't enough. And so he said, "No, we want a better deal before we're going to put this on the ballot." Well, there were four legislators that said, "Yeah, we're with Frank White," which meant it was impossible to get a, an override. Mm. But uh on Friday evening, the teams put a summary of unresolved issues their positions on unresolved issues that some of the legislators were concerned about in their hands and now by monday morning two of those four legislators who were in white's corner have said yes they will vote to override the veto when they meet well in about half an hour it's 225 now as we're recording right. and the meeting is at three o'clock uh down at the the county uh, office building I'm sure it'll be an interesting meeting. I wonder if I should run down there. And <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> on scene reporting. Yeah, but I got to worry about the snap counts. So yeah, that's more not. important yeah. at this stage. Yeah. I this, I mean, this usually means that it's going to pass, right? Like it'll, it'll. We we believe that. Even yeah. After we get done recording, it's, that this is going to be on the ballot, and I think well, I think people will vote for this because they want to make sure that the Royals and, and Chiefs uh, are in Kansas City, an uh, office space style three-eighths of a, a dollar three-eighths of a cent who even notices that right so you know who cares and you make sure your teams are, are still here uh, that's probably the theory behind the uh the tax in a way you're barely going to see it um, but it, it'll give uh, the chiefs and royals funding to do what they want so seems like to me i don't think this is necessarily a bold take john but the royals <laughs> are going to move downtown and the chiefs are going to renovate arrowhead i'm i'm starting to believe that and you know it for the whole, for the longest time, this is just a feeling that I've gotten. But for the longest time, it felt like uh, maybe uh, the business side of the Chiefs wanted to consider moving and and what a new stadium and and entertainment would look like. But uh, when it comes to the ownership, it seemed like to me, just based upon the press conferences, that Clark is like, "My dad loved Arrowhead, and we're going to keep <laughs> Arrowhead here yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as long as we can." And it seems like the building, had, if it's renovated, could have at least twenty five more years. Um, and it's also this too, and. It, and you know, this is less a lot about the economics of it, but I think when you have a stadium that can produce noise the way that Arrowhead can, not to say that it has nothing to do with the people, but there is something probably about the percussion of the building that allows it to be as noisy as it is. And that, that aspect I think is very hard to replicate. And that's a very special thing. And I think Arrowhead is one of the more special stadiums. So if you could renovate it to the point of where 
you have that old school feel. You keep the old building, but it still has the the new feel of one of these state of the art stadiums. I, I I like that solution. I don't I don't I'm not ready to see Kansas City get rid of Arrowhead. And uh, look, you knock the K down. There's more parking. Parking has always been an issue, and so maybe there'll be a little bit less traffic, which would make me uh, happier. Uh, and John, or, as you know, it, it's all about us. Or right, right. or or yes. maybe they they put another attraction on the property. You know, like a hotel or something that's uh, in the control of the stadium, and you can. Well, the Denny's burnt know, down, so there's a wide open opportunity yeah. <laughs> for a diner of some sort, I, some kind of eatery uh, out I, there. I, I really like dove into this over the weekend because it's not oh, a good. story. I had really been following very much. Um, but basically my understanding of the whole situation, there's, there's a lot of uh, personal uh, feelings and issues between Frank white and the Kansas city Royals. And this is what mm. a lot of this stuff is coming down to. Like the chiefs never wanted to move out of arrowhead. It was just uh, Hey, we want this to get passed. So we extend the tax, which is what people who live in Jackson County, like all of us do, I believe like we've all been paying this tax for years anyway. So it's not really something that's actually going to impact the people of Jackson County, right. but it's the surrounding areas of, of your Johnson counties and all these other counties that were trying to throw their hats in the ring to get the chiefs or some, or somebody to come over that we're trying to like have influence on this whole situation. So a lot of it is just local personal politics and, and feelings and things like that. Like it's going to wind up getting passed because the teams are going to get what they want inevitably, which the chiefs want the Royals gone so they can expand and make Arrowhead <laughs> a better place. And the Royals want to move downtown because that makes sense for a baseball team to have a downtown stadium. It's more accessible. It, it draw, draws more people in. Like it, it just, it, it makes sense for everybody in the long run. It's just a matter of personal, local, political, political politics for the most you know, part. But I don't think much is going to change outside of outside of Arrowhead State. Frank White seems like a nice enough guy, but if you're going to give me on one side White and the other side Melliger. I'm going to go with Melliger the whole way. So kudos to the Royals for figuring this out. And uh, I like the fact that this is all leading to Arrowhead staying uh, as is. All right, let's turn it back to football for one final segment. John, you posted this, I believe last night, the opening odds uh, against the Baltimore Ravens as the Chiefs travel for their second road game of the AFC postseason. What do we have so far? Well, it's essentially the same thing. It opened at two and a half uh, mm. points for the home team against the Bills, and this week it's opening at three points for the home team. So essentially, you know, it varies a little bit what a, a given sports book will give for home field advantage. It's usually two to three points. So they're basically saying that on a neutral field, this would be a pick em. And uh, because it's in their stadium, they get a little bit of an advantage in the game. So again, if the Chiefs win this, this game, it's going to be a minor upset. Uh, at least in terms of the the betting odds, which I always like to remind people isn't meant as a prediction of what's going to happen in the game, but instead a means for the odds makers to have as much um, close to the same amount of money on both sides of the bet. But it works out to being a prediction of the game because it takes into account uh, what people think and mm. people tend to pick winners in these games. So right now it looks like the the Ravens are favored in this game by a small margin. Can't believe we're going to do the same thing that we did last week. I saw this uh, on X last night. This came from Ron Hughley, who does our our Friday show, Show and BK with with Steve over here. But Ron tweeted, and I didn't see this, but I'm I'm not. I don't think 
Steve Ron is lying here, right? He said, my man Chris Rose on NFL Network just said, what's the key for the Chiefs to not get blown out in Baltimore? Got a fun week. Going to be a fun week allowing the champs and what has become the gold standard in the NFL. Play the underdog role again. And, uh, you know, I, I think I learned my lesson last week. I thought because, you know, I thought these teams were evenly matched that uh, Buffalo would, would be able to pull it out. But I, you know, I went against my own rule, which was uh, silly of me that you should never bet against Patrick Mahomes, even if you're incorrect, because he'll more times than not make you look stupid. And I understand, John, why the odds are the way they are. But just based upon how this week went and how last night went, I, I got in my brain more of a pick em again. But and last week I sort of understood. But I think after witnessing that last night and just Mahomes is inevitable. Like he, I wrote in my rapid reaction, he's undeniable. So it's just hard to for me to wrap my head around placing money and betting against him, even though you know, I would have last week had I put anything on the game. Well, that's the problem, though. Uh, you know, I have picked the chiefs in every game this year and unsurprisingly i have the same record as the chiefs right. <laughs> because yeah. you know when i've picked them they've lost so it's not that um it's not that mahomes is actually undeniable the problem is always picking the game where he's not going to be as effective as is, as he is in another game and that has turned out to be pretty hard to pick over the what years. I, yeah. And yeah. what the years have told us is that maybe you have a slip up in the regular season, but when it comes time for playoffs, there's a certain switch that even, yeah. he, even with his great regular season numbers seems to flip. And it's just a very hard person to beat in the postseason. I don't envy Lamar Jackson or, or Josh Allen. It really has oh. the feel Steve of like that Brady when, when, you know, that they would all take their shots at Brady and, uh, you know, Brady, Jordan, whoever you want to say, just prevented a lot of from these great players from ever winning titles. This is from Aaron Schatz, uh, Football Outsiders DVOA inventor. But uh, the Ravens have the highest weighted DVOA ever through the divisional round. Yeah. But one of the top teams that is on the list, because this is usually a metric that is kind of used to project Super Bowl winners. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs beat. It was the Buffalo Bills in right. the 2020 Conference Championship game. They were one of the highest rated DVO teams of all time. And Mahomes beat them on his way to another Super Bowl. Like, it's the Ravens are a really, really good team. Like, I'm worried about this matchup. I think it's the best possible conference championship we could have gotten. I think the Ravens have the best personnel groupings in the entire NFL. Um, mm. But as we've already seen, you just can't ever count out Patrick Mahomes. Like he Mahomes just plays too. on another level in the playoffs. And so I'm not going to bet against him in all. And you know what though? Like Mahomes always cracks me up. Like he'll go to the podium after this game last night. He goes, oh, I, I love playing in Buffalo. It's so great here. I love being there. I love these people. A great game. And then he'll get in the bus and go on Instagram and write good luck. And really just talking smack to Deion Dawkins who with his quote <laughs> and, and saying, look, you said good luck. Good luck to you. We won in your building when you said that, you know, never experienced Buffalo. And so I don't know, maybe I'm just I was dumb. I'm not doing it again. I'm not picking against the Chiefs again. I'm not going to do it because uh, <laughs> you're betting against a, a, a guy that that you just can't bet against him uh, like more times than not. It seems like in the postseason, he's going to find a way to win. Even with, with your saying, uh, Steve, by any kind of metric that you put up, um, 
it's I, I, as you can tell, I'm at a loss for words of like the feeling, but I just I can't I can't do it again. I'm not doing it. So you're starting to sound a little bit like uh, like the Buffalo Rumblings guy who answered our five questions this week. Yeah, you realize that, don't you? Because he he really came off like, uh, oh, uh, I don't think you can. Do, there's anything you can do to stop Josh Allen. And I and I identify with that because I once appeared on an opponent's podcast and said pretty much the same thing to them. And, and I, they, they never spoke to me again. So <laughs> I've, I've learned not to, to, to make a statement like that on an opponent's podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to find the line between feeling confident in your quarterback and raising him up on a pedestal that no human could possibly be on. And I think that's always the danger with Mahomes is that we look at him and go, oh my God, how could he possibly lose a ball game? But he does lose ball games once in a while. That said, I agree with you. There seems to be a switch that he can throw in the postseason. And I think we saw that last night. I mean, it's been, how long has it been since we've seen a performance like Mahomes put on last night yeah, in Buffalo? I, it's been a while. And I think because this is a, like I said, I just still, it's crazy. They're down to the final four, but I think this is a weaker year for Kansas city in the offense. And this is really getting them ahead of myself. And so I apologize to you. Very, very superstitious fans. I don't know. Oh, yeah, to sure you here. do. Yeah. Okay. But, but <laughs> like if you're able to games, I know that Brett Veach has his scalpel ready to carve into the offense and fix this and open up the salary cap. And now they have the, addition where we've talked about John with his contract with Mahomes' mm -hmm. contract where they can open up right. more money if they have to like I know this offense is going to be better next year like I know they're going to give Mahomes more help I can guarantee you that right so if they somehow miraculously do this and if it's against the Lions or the Niners and you know you beat the Ravens and you you are in uh a very very good position to do something that's never been done before uh in the three peat and so, uh, yeah, I know I'm getting way ahead of myself. Yeah. Yikes! <laughs> but if you if you're able to do it in what is the weak year, and then you have a better yeah. team the next year, you're really yeah. setting yourself up for, um, you know, potential history. But but where we're getting it's it's too we're too getting too far ahead of ourselves. So well, you know, I was down. having a thought about that earlier today, Pete. Me, I was thinking about going and looking to see if there was a year similar to this one in the Patriots story. You right. know, was there a year where? You know, their offense was of down I mean, and people were yeah, saying they weren't going to make it. And then they yeah. went and won the Super Bowl. Yeah. I was thinking about looking at that. It was, yeah, that Julie, it was the Julian Edelman year. Uh, right. <laughs> he, yeah. he was like, nobody believed in us. Nobody, nobody yeah. thought we could. That was the year it. they beat the Chiefs, right? In the conference title game. And then yeah, it was yeah. the worst yeah. Super Bowl ever against the Rams. It was like, this is the snooze fest. Why, why are we even doing this? <laughs> the Chiefs would have won that year, too, I think. I think they would have beaten the Rams, but. That's NFL history for you. you. Can't change it. All right, we've we've talked enough. We're we're into bizarre world now <laughs> at this point. If you like the Airhead Pride Podcast Network, I told you we had no reviews this week, so leave us a review. We'll read it on the show. Uh, Steve, we got a jam packed week, right? Uh, I, since I got you on the podcast network, anything that you want to highlight coming up here? Uh, just the full lineup. We'll have out of structure tomorrow, breaking down everything about the Chiefs' performance against the Bills. We got Chiefs Coast to Coast Live, Show and BK, Great British Chiefs Show, every, everything you need on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast. Perfect. It's a big game. Everyone's excited about it. It's the AFC Championship. It's next Sunday. I don't think I said the time once on the podcast. It's next Sunday at 2 p.m. Arrowhead time. 
I love, love that the Chiefs got the early championship slot. Uh, very, very good thing for the website and our sleep schedules, which is all that matters. All right. Thank you to Steve. Thank you to John. I'm Pete Sweeney. Uh, this has been another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Hey there, it's Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, and I'm excited to announce a new element of the Arrowhead Pride experience for diehard Chiefs fans. It's our brand new newsletter, Arrowhead Pride Premier. Arrowhead Pride Premier is a newsletter delivered to your inbox twice a week from me. For $50, you'll get an annual subscription packed with insider coverage from yours truly and new in-depth analysis from voices around Kansas City. It's all about what I'm seeing and hearing around the team. During the season, we'll deliver a newsletter ahead of each game to get ready for Sunday and a newsletter after after each game to unpack exactly what happened. Subscribe to Arrowhead Pride premiere today at arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe.